You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off of your next order. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Not of the Scribe. What we've been doing the last, I don't know, what is it? three days or so ever since that we heard this news break, the Hornets were interested and eventually would sign Gordon Hayward to a four year, $120 million total deal. Ever since then, it's not been confirmed. It's not been official because the Charlotte Hornets have been trying to work out a potential sign and trade with the Boston Celtics. And instead of waving and stretching Nick Batum, they're trying to find a team to dump Nick Batum to in order that you don't have to do the wave and stretch thing, have his cap hit continue for the next three seasons, but you might have to give up a draft pick to do that. Boston would be extremely motivated to get this done so they could get the traded player exception. There's a lot to digest here, but there's really nothing new that have that's come about. And that's kind of the same, despite a Woj and Bobby Marks tweet here, except maybe a little bit of information. So we, it's not an up, did get at least like a reminder from Woj that this is still going on. So Adrian Wojnarowski tweets this out um, as of this recording, really just like a half hour ago. Mm-hmm. He says, sources, Boston and Charlotte have worked on a sign and trade for Gordon Hayward that would land the Celtics a trade exception. But Hornets have first been trying to find a third team for Nick Batum's $27 million contract to see if there's a way to avoid waving and stretching his money. So, we already kind of knew that. I mean, I guess yeah. we didn't realize the details of, is there a hang up on Nick Batum? Is there a hang up on them wanting Terry Rozier or Cody Zeller back? Is there a hang up on maybe just what are, are, are they so destined or are they so determined to get the $30 million traded player exception that they're not going to take anything smaller. So like, there's a little bit of a detail there. And then Bobby Marks comes up with some math as well. And he tweets about the situation too. He says, here's the math in Charlotte. He actually just tweeted this out within the 10 minutes of this recording, the math in Charlotte Hornets were $19 million below the cap pre Hayward Gordon Mm -hmm. Hayward equals $28 million in year one. How do you find $9 million in room without waving and stretching Batum? You have to find a trade partner that has less salary coming back, but with Charlotte having to take back money in 2021 and 2022. You would follow that up by saying, or a team that has a $27 million trade exception. Here's the debate. Charlotte will have internally giving up draft. And here's the debate Charlotte will have internally. Giving up draft picks for uh, and players versus just the three-year da- uh, dead cap hit with Batum. So the situation, as I read that poorly, either you wave and stretch Nick Batum. If Nick Batum is the guy that you're trying to figure out a place to dump his contract and or wave him, if, if all of this is just surrounding Nick Batum, the debate becomes this. Are you willing to attach an asset to Nick Batum's contract to another team for that, for him to be their problem now, or are you just going to wave and stretch as we've discussed so many times that he's now on your books for the next three years, but instead of 27 million, it'd be at $9 million a pop and not a one. I really hope 
that the Charlotte Hornets are open to keeping Nick Batum on their books for the last damn year <laughs> and getting rid of something else to Boston for even a smaller traded player exception for Boston, if they're willing to do that. And if they're not, then I'd rather just do the dead cap thing. Like I yeah. don't, and depending on the asset, I mean, if it's, I mean, if you're doing two second rounders, then God, okay. I still don't freaking love it. But a first rounder is out of the question for me right now. I'm not going to do that. I just don't know why we've come all this way. And now is the time that we're willing to attach something valuable to Nick Batum's contract when all you have is one more year and not a, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit. In some ways, the expiring contract is somewhat of an asset within itself. I you would think I, I don't. I, what what makes this a whole lot better to me? I know we disagree on Cody Zeller and Terry Rozier, who we'd want to give up. I'd want to get rid of Terry Rozier, even if he's done a decent job, what he did the first season. Even Cody Zeller is fine, but don't attach an asset to get off of this. And maybe you get Boston to attach assets, but then it's like, well, why are, why are we doing a, a favor for Boston um, doing the sign and trade thing? I guess it was just to you know, maybe it's just to not wave Nick Batum. Like, could you get Boston to attach assets and send it to a team like Oklahoma city and have them take on Nick Batum's contract, get Boston's assets. You don't have to wave and stretch Nick Batum. If that is what you're hell bent on doing to create the money for Gordon Hayward. And then you just take Gordon Hayward on as is. Okay. I, you know, you're, you're helping out Boston and I guess you're giving OKC Nick Batum's contract and allowing Boston to send their assets to OKC. But this doesn't make sense to me. Not a, just get rid of Terry Rozier, Cody Zeller with Boston, if they're willing to do so. And if not, it's so stupid, but I guess just freaking, you know, wave and stretch him instead of attach an asset. I don't want to do that. No, no. Like at this point, Walker, it's got the, we're at the point where this has gotten to the, how did you come to this plan? And from everything that it, everything that we know right now, this looks like Michael Jordan wanted to get a guy and Mitch was going to have to figure out the cleanup. And th that's what this looks like. And if this is the case, how do Hornets fans feel any kind of decent about this team going forward if there's no patience from the owner who can't stomach year one of a rebuild? Like at some point, this comes back to the fact that Yo, you need to go find something for, something for Michael to do. Like again, he's got a racing team. Go mess with that. Let Mitch handle this because otherwise, like what this is being what's being done right now is franchise malpractice because if the owner continually meddles, and quite honestly, this is something I normally go with the what would Memphis do now? What would San Antonio do? What would the small smart small market teams do? This isn't even something that the small market teams do. This is a James Dolan move right now. That's how bad this is. James Dolan would do something like this. This is something we'd expect from James Dolan to come in and say, I want my guy. Go sign my guy. Let me go pitch my guy. And I'm not going to involve my basketball people. That's how bad this is. Because for right now, when we have, when we have conversations about – when we're having conversations about how this is going to fit – and giving up a first round pick when you're trying to rebuild like like what kind of that that does, that's not smart that's not wise it's not good asset management 
I don't even know how you describe that outside of insane right now. I mean, I'm, the Hornets are kind of acting like the rebuild is over here. Yeah. I mean, so when we say rebuild, I mean, I, I, I'm so baffled as to why they think the rebuild is over when the numbers point to you overachieving last year and even still not making the playoffs. Do you really think you're a Gordon Hayward and LaMelo ball away from being a team that contends and gets to the playoffs? I mean, they might, they, they might get to that eight seed, but you see what Atlanta's done. The Kings mm-hmm. don't match the offer sheet for Bogdan Bogdanovich. And so now you look at the Hawks, it's a starting lineup that looks pretty decent. It's a team that went out and got some depth too. I think most people are going to say that the Atlanta Hawks are going to be a better basketball team than the Charlotte Hornets. I can't find anybody that would say the Hornets are going to be better. I, I don't. It, so if the Hornets don't make the playoffs and they really do truly finish in the bottom projections as posed by Jonathan Gavoni and, and, and really when he made that mock draft, it was really based off of whatever formula ESPN has on their power rankings and the Hornets finished fourth worst team in the league. And we're talking about, the over under from the action network being 26 and a half. I believe that was the fifth worst record that was posed out there. And so it's like, okay, yeah, great. He doesn't hurt your lottery odds. Then man, if, if you, if you're really going to finish there, then is Gordon Hayward worth the 30 million a year? Exactly. And and so it's like, if, if you're paying him that much money, that's, that's a guy that should, a, a guy making that much money, should be able to lift you to a place where you actually are getting to the eight spot. And look, these are just projections. We don't have to take them as gospel. Predictions are wrong all the time. But if that's really what happens, if these projections are true, and you paid $30 million a year to a 30-year-old guy that doesn't get you anything better than the fifth worst, I mean, it's weird, not because I'm kind of pulling for that. Yeah, <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm kind of pulling for them to continue to finish where they are with the young guys continuing to grow and develop and then still not have their odds hurt. At the same time, looking at that contract at the end of the year, thinking, man, we got three more years of this. You know, can, can you sell the Gordon Hayward contract for assets? Like, that? you know, that's something that's interesting. Can you resurrect Gordon Hayward's career where he has a healthy season? He comes in as the number one scoring option. He mm-hmm. gives you 22 points on efficient shooting. There is a contender out there that has enough money to go get Gordon Hayward for 30 million and think he's a guy that really helps us. Here's our first round picks. That's something that would be interesting, but I just don't see the Hornets doing that if they're willing to go after Gordon Hayward so aggressively in the first place. I mean, that's, that's where it kind of fall. Like if, if you're able to build and, and resurrect what Gordon Hayward was in Utah, then great. You you can maybe sell that, but th- what Hornets are going to want to do is they're going to use that. And I can't imagine even that Utah form of Gordon getting them a playoff series win, which is where I want to get. I don't, I don't even care about yeah. getting to the playoffs. Like I'm not one of these championship or bust guys. I recognize value in winning, you know, even if it's not the championship and taking these steps to get to that championship level. One of those is winning a playoff series. Like we already crossed off the getting to the playoffs um, step a couple of times and you get swept or you get bounced in the first round. The closest we got in a long time was the heat seven game series. I want to win one now. Like I yeah. want to basically, it means get to the four seed or, you know, at least win a playoff series. That's where I want to go next. I don't want to just get to the playoffs. 
and get bounced. Real quick, before we get to our second segment, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar, who has always done such a great job with supporting the show. We always appreciate them. And I'm here to tell you about some new things that they've got cooked up for you this Thanksgiving season. And they're dreaming of a white Christmas, Nada. And it begins today. They are introducing all new white chocolate bars while supplies last. That includes a white chocolate cookies and cream bar, a white chocolate salted caramel bar, and they have two free candy cane brownie bars with every item purchased when you go to BuiltBar.com. When you go to (laughs) BuiltBar.com, you get 25% off for Black Friday. Plus, don't forget to use the promo code to get an extra percent off. Again, that's locked on. So you get get two deals there, 25% off for Black Friday, and you use the promo code locked on to help you out even more so thanks again to built bar for supporting the show real quickly uh we will take a quick break and then we'll come back with some more on the gordon hayward news and everything else in the charlotte hornets landscape on locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets i feel like cody martin is the perfect guy to go down there right now as much as anybody is yeah, no, like I know, yeah, no, I definitely. Sorry, I didn't know you were tossing me there. Yeah, I definitely, okay. I definitely think that. Was uh, that a me problem or are you a problem? Were you just not listening, or were, was I just that I didn't set you up? Oh, I totally wasn't. Li- well. I wasn't listening to you okay. at all. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Coming up next week, remember, uh, we will be giving you those draft pick breakdowns. No show tomorrow or Friday, but we will be back to finally deliver on the draft pick breakdown that we have been promising. It's just, look, I blame Michael Jordan. I blame Mitch Kupchak. I blame Danny Ainge. I blame everybody involved in this whole Gordon Hayward potential sign and trade thing because we're not getting any legitimate updates. We talked about a little bit, I guess, of this all being centered around Nick Batum and whether the Hornets can move on from him. But... Um, really, we haven't gotten any details. And so it's like mainly we're in the same kind of spot we've been in. And we've, we've had this since Saturday. Here is the Wednesday episode right before Thanksgiving. I hope that we get this thing solved sooner rather than later. But I mean, I, I wonder, like, you, you might roll your eyes at this, but how much does Thanksgiving come into effect when just talking about the way that uh, like Danny Ainge and Mitch Kupchak operate. Or they're like, yeah, honey, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got to make I got to make this franchise altering trade real quick before I come and help you with the turkey. <laughs> like, is that something they're, that they're actually they're, having to talk about? That's probably something at least those two families are used to because, again, most of those kids are probably older. They understand they un- they either have kids in the business or they work with their fr- their their parentals. And so it's probably something that's already understood. So they understand Mitch and Danny are probably going to have to talk this out. Mitch is going to have to work the phones late, late at night. The only thing is, and like you just, I just hope that for our sakes, neither of us find out about this going sideways while we're enjoying some turkey, man. That's the only thing. Mm-hmm. Cause I might choke on some turkey. If I see if, if this ends up being like the Hornets gave up two first round picks to OKC to help get rid of Nick Batum. Like, that's what I'm afraid of. Like, I do that. <laughs> I, again, I'm eating my turkey. I see that. I choke on the turkey, and you got to find a new, find yourself a new co-host, Walker. That's what I'm well, afraid yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, um, I would probably find myself in a very similar situation. And real quickly, we are going with Oklahoma City as that team we're kind of paying attention to a little bit more right now because they were granted a trade exception as well. So right now, the Thunder had the lowest payroll in the NBA, and they're technically under the salary cap. They do have two trade exceptions that total $47 million, and uh, that does have them over the cap. So they can acquire a player 
player in a trade or claim one off of waivers. So the Thunder, it would make a lot of sense. The way they got those trade exceptions is the Danilo Gallinari sign and trade to Atlanta. And the Thunder also have a, a $27.5 million trade exception from the Steven Adams trade to New Orleans. So the Thunder, they've been doing this the right way. When you ask what would Sam Presti do, when you ask what would Memphis do with some of the teams, the way that they have been operating, um, now look, it's a lot easier for the Thunder when you're kind of blowing everything up. You're resurrect Chris Paul's career, you know, Steven Adams, they've got some good pieces that they were working with there. And, uh, you know, they're able to sell that off, but they're doing a good job with it. So when you're talking about Steven Adams having that $27.5 million trade exception, I mean, not a, that fits perfectly with Nick Batum, who's got $27 million on the last year of his deal. You eat up some assets if you're the Thunder once again, creating ways for them to own the NBA draft. They're going to have 50% of the picks the next three drafts as that's been the common joke, but the Charlotte Hornets are going to contribute to that. If, uh, if this Nick Batum plays out the way that it possibly could with, um, I mean, look, the thunder, like that, that's the, that's the, the team yeah. to kind of pay attention to right now. I think more Sadly, so than the other franchise, like that's the thing, like we're looking at all of this and at this point right now, we're looking at all of this, and I unfortunately, my mind goes to what's the worst case scenario for that something like this happens? And it's dealing picks to OKC, quite honestly. That's what it is. It's dealing picks to OKC to get rid of Nick Batum instead of eating the contract. Because at least eating the contract shows that, hey, okay, you know what? Michael's got to wear this an extra 10 million, almost an extra 10 million a year for the Gordon Hayward thing because he couldn't keep his powder dry. That's fine for me right now. At this point, though, like we're just talking about a contract that's almost impossible to move. Like th- there are no easy solutions for this. There are none. If Terry Rozier is, and that's w- the way I kind of see it right now, if Terry Rozier isn't going to be a part of the equation going up, if Cody Zeller's not going to be a part of the equation going up, then, and I think there's better chance of t- Terry Rozier going up than it is. Cody Zeller because they already signed Tristan Thompson. So at some point, like if the pieces aren't going to fit, I am afraid they're going to waste assets and try to get rid of Nick Batum so they can do something else. Like, I think there's another move that goes with this Gordon Hayward move. And what I'm afraid of is that they're going to do anything they can to get off that, to get off that Nick Batum salary to where we're talking about, now you're talking about probably not ha- or at least highly protecting that that pick or we're ending up giving up seconds. And we know how well the seconds have treated us thus far in the Mitch Kupchak regime. So well, I'm kind of worried about the cleanup in terms of all of this. And the more I think about it, the more I get scared. Well, and, and the thing is, I mean, you mentioned that Cody Zeller, you think, is someone that is most likely to stay here and Rogier would be the guy most likely sent up. You know, not a, I, I would prefer that. Right. And we kind of talked about the value of those contracts. And I know Patrick Connor tweeted at us and uh, he said he agreed with you on that. And we appreciate Patrick for listening. And, you know, I I understand that Terry is a good shooter. He really demonstrated that catch and uh, shoot skill set. I get that. I just think Cody on an expiring for 15 mil is more valuable a player than Terry Rogier. Two more years left on his deal at the lowest 18 coming in the season after this one. But when you look at you know who's most likely to go up there, I still say Cody because what makes the most sense, if, if the Celtics are like, all right, fine, we're going to have to settle for a smaller traded player exception. We'll just give you Dan uh, Daniel Tice and you send us back Cody Zeller 
and we can get the TPE, even if it's much smaller than just having you, you know, do the Nick Batum stretch and wave thing and just take on, or, you know, Gordon Hayward or whatever. Um, and, you know, or, or Gordon Hayward in some kind of way, and we'll give you some assets or whatever. Like, I, I just, I, I think it's more the Daniel Tyson, Cody Zeller swap that makes the most sense. Because if you're going to do that with, you know, a guard, there's just nobody that makes sense with Terry, right? Like, you know, Kimba, you're you're not sending back here. You know, Jalen, Jason Tatum, obviously not there. You know, Marcus Smart is the one that you look at. And then it's like, well, man, Boston no. loves Marcus Smart. No, they just got him a deal. He's on a smaller contract than what Terry Rozier is, and he's just way better. And defensively is just light years better. And so they're not going to get rid of Marcus Smart in, in that regard. And then you're talking about, I mean, I don't even know what kind of TP you're talking about that's even worth it at that point. All the other guys not are young. I mean, yeah. Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, like those are assets they're giving up at that point. Robert Williams, you know, I mean, at that point, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's why I think Cody Zeller, Daniel Tice is the most likely thing to happen if you were to settle for a smaller TPE if you're Boston, just because you don't want to lose Gordon Hayward for absolutely nothing. That's what I think happens. If, if this Nick Batum thing wasn't the focus, like if they moved off of this and then they started focusing on the Cody Zeller and, and that potential with uh, the Boston Celtics, I think that would be the most likely thing. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, One question though for, for you, because I, I was just thinking about this. What again? Not not including draft picks. What's the worst asset that they can give up? That's not PJ or uh, Devonte or Lamelo at this point. The the most realistic thing they would give up in order to make this happen. Yeah, that that, 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 that would about? make you upset. Yeah, that would make you upset. I mean, it, it's not going to take much, Nada. Like, I mean, I, it's <laughs> it, one getting rid of any asset whatsoever. Anyway, is going to make me mad. But the the thing that would make me the most upset. I mean, I wouldn't want to get rid of Miles Bridges. Uh, I wouldn't want to get rid of, um, you know, first round picks. Yeah. Like, like a protected first is the most realistic, most upset I'd be mad at. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the, those are, those are along the lines that I'm thinking of, right? Like what's the answer for you? Because it honestly not a, like, it doesn't take a whole lot for me to get angry at attaching assets to get off of one year left of Nick Batum's contract when we've come so far. Yeah, no, this is like a lot of it. Like I said, a lot of this just feels impatient. A lot of this just feels like ownership got impatient and wanted to take advantage of of the lack of star power here and say, hey, we can put the Hornets front and center because as me and you know, Walker, the Hornets tend to be an afterthought in Charlotte sometimes. So putting them front and center and having someone that a team that is quote unquote seen as competitive then that changes how we look at them. Unfortunately, like I, the worst that when I, when we have these conversations about like, what's the worst asset that would get you upset? Like I'm kind of with you. It's miles bridges. Cause when we start having these conversations about what you can do, what we can give up the set and the third, like if you give up miles bridges to get off the Nick Batum contract, it's a failure. It's an absolute failure and it's an absolute mismanagement. And I don't think they would do that. I really, I mean, when we talk about realistic, I, I really don't think it would be that. So like, I mean, I can't imagine they would. And and at that point you're talking you about can't? the money having to like match up. Like, yeah. I, so I don't think miles is really even really all that realistic. I was just kind of speaking within, you know, asset things that I'd be mad than moving off of. Like we kind of talked about when the possibility was there of trading up a spot or two to get James Wiseman or 
um, Anthony Edwards or whoever was there that they wanted in the first two spots. I, I really do think the most realistic, you know, if, if the Hornets are hell bent on this happening, then like, do you get rid of a first round pick, some protected thing, um, or maybe even like, you know, is it one of these where it's protected and then it's, you know, it, it conveys if it doesn't, if it doesn't convey in the next, you know, five years and it turns into two seconds, like is, you know, is it one of those deals? That'll be it interesting has to, be, to see. That's the only way I'd be interested in it. That'd be the um, only way. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense from the Hornets standpoint to do this. And the fact that it was reported so early, I'm glad that the Hornets are trying to make a sign and trade happen, but it has to be the right one. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll have one more segment to go. Nada wants to talk about two Americas on your Thanksgiving table and what Nada's table might look like compared to mine. We'll talk about that next on the Locked on Hornets <laughs> podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. But what he showed in Summer League, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, oh, could yeah. put him on the radar of a radar, <laughs> a radar. Me, of all NBA. Yeah, on the radar. On the radar <laughs> of all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, you're Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from I'm from uh, Catawba County. Get so, on the Raider. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to Hollinger and Duncan's podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked on podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get your podcast. So, not as I teased, going to the last segment... I want to talk about, as well as you do, the two Americas Thanksgiving table. And what's funny about this is it's been a big topic of discussion on national ESPN radio, yes. where we've heard from the the new morning show, which has the worst name ever. They're trying to combine all their names. So it's like Zubin Key and Jay-Z or <laughs> like whatever it is. Something, yeah. Um, and you've got you've got that morning show slandering the sweet, incredibly smart and fantastic analyst Heather Dinich for never having, I think maybe heard of, but certainly has never tried sweet potato pie. Oh no. And they were slandering Heather Dinich for had never tried that. Well then Golick Jr. and well I think it was a Chanae and Gold uh, Golick Jr. they were discussing how they need to protect Heather Dinich. Um but then Chanae is like, yeah, but sweet potato pie is the best. Now yes. Nada, we can it what's funny is the underlying thing here is this is absolutely two Americas. This is white <laughs> families all across the country not understanding how good sweet potato pie is. Now, yes. I will tell you, as far as my whiteness goes, my whiteness is on full display here. I've certainly had sweet potato pie, and I like sweet potato pie, but my whiteness, I guess that is so within me. There is some reason where I like pumpkin pie more. With whipped cream on it, that is my choice, and I understand that our tables might look different, exhibiting this podcast being a Two Americas podcast at the moment. I am... Walker, Walker, again, mm-hmm. remember how I said you had the invite to the cookout? Yeah. You you, you tested me. You tested me right now. I'm sorry. You, you're yeah. testing it. I mean, pumpkin if it helps, I wouldn't bring pumpkin sweet- pie to the cookout. Like, I wouldn't bring that if that helps anything. You, you better not. Again, <laughs> I would throw that pumpkin pie in your face. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Walker, Walker, why? Why are you doing I, this to me? I like it better. This is just something that I have to understand, and you have to understand that this is it, man. Like pumpkin this pie, is- it is very good. Now, if it if it makes any difference to you, it's not like I'm the biggest pumpkin pie fan in the world. You know, I'll have it because it's Thanksgiving tradition, at least. And and uh, I'll tell you what, my mom usually does. What? She'll make a pumpkin trifle, 
And that is extremely good. We'll eat that usually. So it's usually not even a pumpkin pie that she makes. The tri- it's usually trifles, trifles it's pu- pumpkin trifle. Now, can I can I get invited back with this? One thing that my mom also does make, and maybe it's kind of the same. Maybe you can help me with yeah. this. But she does like to make sweet potato spoon bread. Is that helping me out whatsoever? Well, 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 hold on. Spoon bread is spoon bread is pretty dope. Spoon bread is pretty dope. Like, like I, I'm I'm just gonna say your invite now is on probationary status. I mean, is Probate. it the same thing, Nada? Like is sweet potato spoon bread the same thing as sweet potato pie? No. Okay. I just no, didn't know. absolutely not. Like what, no. what's the biggest difference between the two? The pot the consistency, honestly. Mm-hmm. The consistency. That's the biggest thing. It's the consistency. You get the buttery, flaky crust. And it, it I understand like spoon bread, as far as I'm concerned, is a little bit more of a biscuity type type consistency when we have we start talking about this. Like I get why you say, is it in the neighborhood? And yeah. I understand that. I understand that. It just doesn't work. It doesn't um, work. It's close. Can, can we, you know, so one other thing I want to talk about too is, and I don't know if this is going to be a two Americas thing, but um, I, I think this is kind of universal. I don't think this is two Americas, but can we talk about how it's become the popular take to hate on Turkey? I mean, look, look. why, why is that happening? Nada? can, can that get as far away from me as possible? What this tells me is that people haven't had well cooked Turkey. Like what yes. it means is what you're doing inadvertently is slandering your parents or your family's cooking because <laughs> there is nothing that Turkey, there's nothing, nothing bad about Turkey. What you're telling me is when, Oh, Turkey's really gross. Oh, okay. Your parents can't cook check. Yeah. That's what I take when anybody says that Turkey is not good. Oh, but they make good. This, they make good. That doesn't matter because what everybody's problem with Turkey is, is how dry it is. And then that's another dead giveaway. Congratulations. You played yourself. <laughs> exactly. Like literally there are so many different ways to handle the Turkey. You can fry a Turkey and still maintain its moisture. There's ways to do, you can inject butters in them. There are ways to keep this dry, to keep this moist and tell me that you actually know what you're doing in the kitchen. Unfortunately, we got a lot of people, like you said, self snitching that they came up with crappy Thanksgiving dinner because I've seen people slant. I've seen that dude, Ken tremendous slander Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm just think sitting there and I'm just like, you really must've had a crappy childhood eating, eating Thanksgiving dinner because my Thanksgiving dinners, we got the rolls Walker. We got the, mm-hmm. cor- again, we got the cornbread too. We got the dressing, not stuffing dressing. There's a difference, folks. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit as well. So my, you know, it's funny. I always revert. I sound like a, you know, a a 13-year-old because it's always my mom this, my mom that. She's the only one that I'm eating Thanksgiving with this year. And she's also the number one cook. And she's made a lot of the same stuff. And I only get it once a year. So we get excited about it. Yes. But it is the sausage and apple dressing she makes. And she makes red pepper and ham dressing. And it's both fantastic. But we never really call it stuffing. Like, is stuffing in the turkey? Nada. Like, please help me with my food terminology. Stuffing is stuffing. Again, stuffing is outside of the turkey. Dressing is what's inside the turkey. Dressing is what's inside the turkey. That doesn't make any sense. Because you're not stuffing. Because the dressing is the curb appeal of the turkey. The stuffing is inside it where you can't see it until you get it out. It's stuffed in the turkey. Look, uh, again, I don't make the rules. I just follow them and I make sure that I enjoy it. More importantly, are you a cranberry sauce guy? No, I hate cranberry sauce. It's disgusting. 
I get it. I get it. I understand that. I understand why people don't love it. A lot of folks don't end up getting the ocean spray canned one and it turns (laughs) them off from, again, they get the bootleg, they get the Dollar General one. And I understand Tom's is hard right now, but you have to, if you're going to do, if you're going to do cranberry sauce, you need to do the ocean spray. You just do. Okay. I didn't know that. It doesn't matter because it's all really very gross to me. If I only limited you to one side item, one side dish, which goes against everything Thanksgiving stands for. So I apologize for this hypothetical. But basically, we are trying to get you to pick your favorite side dish on Thanksgiving, not a what is that favorite side dish of yours. I hate you for making me choose between my kids. I really do. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say it's got to be the collard greens. And again, okay. I don't eat ham. I don't eat pork or anything else like that. But you get yourself like a really solid smoked turkey leg, and you get them greens, and you get them seasoned right, and they sit in all they sit all over there all day, and they just boil down, and they're great. And how much of how much of that is a two Americas thing compared yes. to just a Southern thing? Like you know, because. Because I, I know some white families out there that are serving collard greens on Thanksgiving, but I don't know a ton. Is that a two Americas thing, Nada? Yes, that is absolutely a two Americas thing. Because you know how I know it's a two Americas thing? Because we've seen Whole Foods and places like this sell greens with raisins. Oh, God. <laughs> that sounds odd. Yep, yep, when has yep, raisins yep. made anything better? I that have, have raisins, cookies and that's it. Man, but no, like even if I think I'm picking up a chocolate chip cookie and it turns out to be oatmeal raisin, then that is the number one reason why I have trust issues. So I don't know raisins. I don't know of any situation where raisins make anything better. We talked about maybe putting them in the potato and macaroni salad. Get out of my face. You're not invited. Like, don't bring that anywhere near. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who puts Raisins and macaroni salad. I think we talked about this last year. We've had that conversation before. And I think that was one of these maybe Twitter circulations. People were discussing that. But I think we all agreed. It's absolutely no. gross. No. I mean, I can't think of anything that you put raisins in and immediately think, yep, thank God for those raisins. This dish is better because of that. I can't give you one food item. Not one. No, I can't. No, I can't. I, 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 no. Oof, no. I no, saw no, no, these no. maps on Twitter as well. And I think the South got it right. And it was only the South and it went with mac and cheese. I am going to go there. Now, um, the mac and cheese that we'll have will actually kind of tailor it to something a a little bit different here and there. We'll Mm -hmm. put bacon in the mac and cheese one time. Uh, I told you last year that uh, we had some seafood macaroni and cheese, and that was actually that, pretty that good. can be that can be hit or miss, though. That can yeah, be no, it can. Miss. It absolutely can. You're at, you're 100 percent right about that. But it hit last uh, last year. I think we're going to put the bacon in it this year. Um, she has uh, this is all my mom again. Shouts to mom. Uh, we have had just like just regular old baked mac and cheese before, too. So the fact that you can alter it a little bit differently. I'm going to go with mac and cheese. I think the South got it right when that one map was circulating on Twitter. It was like North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. And I think we might have gotten one other state in the South that said mac and cheese was the best side dish. No, that's that's the thing. Like, literally, if you don't like mac and cheese, you don't like America. It's very, very simple. (laughs) It's it's ridiculously simple. You do Uh, not like America. Yeah, there's no doubt. And most importantly, at this point, keep the peas. Keep the green peas out out of the mac and cheese, please, guys. Yeah, that's I'm all we you. need. 
Yeah, it, no doubt. But, yeah, that 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 is a thing. Every once in a while, you're right, and just just keep them. You know, don't put the peas in there. You're absolutely right about that. Ra- that wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. It's funny. I think we should be locked on Thanksgiving foods because I think we killed that last segment. Thanks again <laughs> to Bill Bar for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. Hollinger and Duncan rejecting the screen. Really, any show in the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, we will not have a show tomorrow because of Thanksgiving or Friday because we're still going to be full and food hangover, um, food hungover um, that same day. So we will be back with you on Monday. That's when we'll start to get to some of the draft pick breakdowns. We're also probably on Monday. Hopefully, we're talking about the actual information, the actual details to come about with the sign and trade. So uh, still plenty to talk about here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Guys, have a great Thanksgiving. Always appreciate you guys listening to us, and we'll be back with you on Monday.